Welcome to First Reading, the OT lectionary podcast for fans of the Hebrew Bible everywhere. I'm Rosie Canethel, PhD candidate in Hebrew Bible at Emory University. And I'm Tim McNinch, assistant professor of Hebrew Bible at Christian Theological Seminary. Our most excellent co-host, the Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, is off this week. I understand we've got a couple choices for the first reading on this 12th Sunday after Pentecost, which is August 28th, 2022. Right, Rosie? That's right. Uh, The Revised Common Lectionary offers two different sets of Hebrew Bible readings throughout this season following Pentecost, also known as Ordinary Time. Well, practically speaking, during the summer, when congregants might be missing Sundays for travel more often than not, I've been advocating for the thematic or complementary first reading to the gospel lection. Uh, There's a really rich and timely theme in this week's reading that I'd love the chance to talk about with you today, but would also be interested in hearing from the pulpit. Very good. So I'm I'm intrigued. Uh, Let's let's hear what you got. What's the theme that you're looking at? So the theme for this week's reading is human pride. That's a theme that none of our pastors or congregations could relate to. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, who could accuse you or me of of pride, of human pride at that, right? Of course. We're the most humble people in the world. So, so humble. All right. Well, uh, I'm being facetious, and the truth is that I cringed when I looked at the readings for this week to prep for our conversation. But usually, uh, that's an internal signal to me that there's something in the scriptures that I need to pay attention to because it's addressing me in some personal and discomforting way. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, (laughs) since I have nothing personally to contribute on the theme of human pride, I'll just listen to you and and hear your take on it. (laughs) LOL, right? (laughs) Um, I'm humbled by your interest then and not at all puffed up with pride. Uh, But seriously, um, another brief word on the thematic readings for this week. There are a little more complications in that there are two wisdom readings, two different choices offered in the Revised Common Lectionary for the thematic choice of this week. Mm -hmm. It's either a reading of six verses from the Wisdom Sirach or Ben Sirah, or a reading of two verses from Proverbs. And pastors will have to decide which one of these, both of them, have to deal with the subject of pride. The first option is to go with the Deuterocanonical or Apocryphal book of Sirach, chapter 10, verses 12 through 18. The second option is to take up the much more familiar and shorter reading of only two verses from Proverbs 25, verses 6 through 7. Both options, as I said, take up the theme of pride, uh, and both have the virtue of being short, graspable Mm. wisdom readings. But I'm assuming that most Christian congregations are not going to be very familiar with the book of Sirach. Uh, So this might be a great way to introduce an unfamiliar book of scripture to your congregation, or this might be the week that you just go ahead and stick with Proverbs. <laughs> right. So I'm assuming you've wrestled with this one yourself. Uh, what did you decide to go with? I really did wrestle, because uh, you can't go wrong with either of these choices. The Wisdom of Ben Sira is a, a, it's a fascinating book, uh, but the surviving versions are in Greek, and there are really only fragments and portions of the Hebrew manuscripts that survive. So the advantages would be that we could work from the Greek this week instead of Hebrew, mm-hmm. plus the reading from Ben Sira is careful about distinguishing between human pride, human arrogance, which might be different from how we think about God's sense of self and the question of if there is such a thing as divine pride or divine arrogance. But in the end, uh, I decided to take up the Proverbs reading, which is only two short verses, relates directly to the gospel reading from Luke chapter 14, and has the virtue of not needing a bunch of background for our conversation today. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Let's try and keep it easy. Right, Uh, right. 
<laughs> like many of the Proverbs, our reading today offers practical, approachable observations in everyday life. Plus, we can talk about the Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> Proverbs 25, verses 6 through 7, straightforward on the NRSV, reads, Don't put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. Mm, that sounds like generally good advice. It's nicer to be promoted rather than to be demoted in front of important folks. It's so... I guess a pretty straightforward message. Yeah, right? So there is something really straightforward about the lesson here. Uh, these lines are not critiquing the social order as it exists. It's not looking to start a revolution and flip the script to put the poor on top. Nope, that's not what's happening here. Uh, and we certainly got a lot of places that you and I have talked about in the Bible where we mm -hmm. do see revolutionary talk, where God takes openly the side of the poor, promises to put them on top and crush those who would oppress them. But that's not what's here in Proverbs. These verses recognize the fact that in this society, there are kings and nobles, people who occupy a higher rank or social class, and that's just an accepted fact of life. These aren't the poor and downtrodden that we're addressing in these verses, those who would never normally encounter kings or nobles. This proverb assumes an audience of people who might encounter important people. Uh, and they might not be among that class themselves, but kings and nobles, not totally outside of their experience. Mm. So perhaps the audience is a middle class or upper middle class, folks who would be rubbing elbows with important people in situ social situations and are probably comfortable with where they are in the social order. So this already tells you something about the anticipated audience of Proverbs and of wisdom literature more broadly. We're talking about an elite audience, those who had the time and resources to consider carefully what comprised a good life. Right. And these are probably people who had the leisure to study and they care deeply about social status and that they, they were seen in a good light by their peers. Okay, so, so that comports with what most biblical scholars have said about wisdom literature in the Bible, too, that it's aimed at young and particularly male and elite audiences, those who had some upper mobility among the social classes. Absolutely, right? So this proverb might get us thinking about our own social locations and our congregations, too, mm, right? Mm -hmm. So some questions we might be asking ourselves, even from this verse, is what areas of our lives do we experience similar privilege and status, right? Um, in what areas of our lives do we maybe experience humility? Where do we recognize rank? For many in our congregations, I imagine this happens most at workplaces, where we respect status in our organizations, experience, and leadership. And I was just thinking, I mean, every high school or every young person recognizes rank. Everyone knows who's the most popular, the most <laughs> attractive, who has the nicest clothes in high school, you know. And even in our churches, we know who always sits in the front rows and who slips into the back, who takes up the lead roles, and who might only volunteer if asked. As I thought about this verse, uh, even though we're removed by millennia from the ancient context uh, it doesn't take much to recognize the principle behind the sentiment here in Proverbs. We like to think that we live in the land of equal opportunity in the United States, but the fact is that we too recognize social class and privilege, rank and wealth. That's really interesting. So times haven't really changed all that much. Yeah, in some ways, right? in some basic ways, they really haven't. The fundamentals still hold. The observations and advice in Proverbs chapter 25, 6 through 7 has a perennial ring. Don't put yourself forward before the king or stand in the place of great men. And if I could, I just want to return us to the Hebrew for a moment. Sounds good. Thought you might like that. Um, so this first <laughs> verb, hadar, 
refers to honor, adornment, uh, to swell up. And it's in the reflexive Hithpael form. So we might render it, you know, don't honor yourself. Don't get swole before the king. Read the room. <laughs> don't call attention to yourself unnecessarily when there are others who occupy the stage. The second part of the verse is also related. So don't stand in the place of great men. Now, what could that mean? Um, Again, maybe recognize what you genuinely have to offer. Don't pretend to a rank you don't occupy or accomplishments that you don't have. Don't brag. And then finally, the kicker in the Hebrew is a causal key. So we render that maybe because or for, and the verse continues, it's better for someone to say to you, come on up here, than for you to be put lower before the prince. And that word lower comes from the root in Hebrew shafel, to fall. And here it's in an intensive heful form. So you have this sense of sinking down or being put down before someone of higher rank. It really feels awful <laughs> as you read it. And you kind of get the mm -hmm. sense of a depression and lowering down in the word itself. So, right. Mm -hmm. So instead, what the Proverbs is, is trying to say, too, is let others lift you up and do the praising. It is so much more genuine when someone else can attest to who you are. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really descriptive. But doesn't all of this go against the popular advice that we hear a lot? It's sort of the fake it till you make it, be confident, act like you belong, dress for the, the job that you want, not the job that you have. So, so what's the difference between the, the pride that's criticized here and um, maybe another concept like self-esteem? Why should someone act humble? Yeah, so this is great, right? These are some of the same questions I was asking myself as I was preparing for our conversation. This proverb goes up against so much of our modern culture, of our kind of common wisdom, mm. which emphasizes independence, selling ourselves, putting forth our brand and image, um, social media allows us to share our accomplishments, big or small, any way we want mm -hmm. and to be recognized for them, right? Don't ever diminish yourself uh, is the wisdom of our day. But I think there is some real thinking that we need to do about what constitutes arrogance and what makes up genuine self-esteem and healthy confidence. It's important to take stock of ourselves, to recognize others, to humble ourselves and, and listen before we speak. The thematic wisdom readings from Sirach and from Proverbs this week help prepare us for the gospel reading from Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 14. And that includes the stories of Jesus's observations of society as he watched people jostle for the best, most visible places at public events. Jesus advises in the parables in Luke 14 that those with him take the lowest place and invite those of the lowest rank to your parties, those who can't pay you back with similar honors, people that don't have the Instagram accounts <laughs> and the pictures. I mean, this would be countercultural then, and it's countercultural now. The truth is our own pride often keeps us from genuine relationships with ourselves, with others, and with God. Huh. So you, you jumped a little bit there. Explain, what, what do you mean by that whole thing about relationships? Yeah, I, I've been thinking about the nature of pride and, you know, what is so awful, as you asked, about, you know, being proud of yourself, your accomplishments, where I come from, for instance. And as I thought about it, I thought, that, you know, there's nothing essentially wrong with this in itself. But what I notice as I kind of um, take myself as a meditative subject <laughs> is that there is a, a subtle shift interiorly when I focus on aspects of my myself that inspire pride. For instance, if you ask me about my accomplishments or you know what I'm proud of in my life, that 
a, a kind of myopic fo- focus on quote unquote me turns me toward a ranking, a ranking in which I can often fall short. Um, and that sense of scarcity is never a good or healthy place for me. Um, it seems much more generative to me to know myself as a person who is loved, who has dignity and worth because I'm made in God's image and also because I'm human mm-hmm. and capable of mistakes. It feels generative to me to imagine myself as part of a community that knows both of those things about me, that I have genuine gifts to offer, and the second thing, that I have real limitations to respect. (laughs) So it sounds like you're leaning into a uh, preaching angle there. What advice can you offer our listeners as they work through these readings? Yeah, as I was looking at these readings, it felt to me that it's timely and important to consider the tension between self-esteem, self-worth, versus perhaps pride or arrogance uh, for lots of reasons. Our cultures and our modern world have drawn these together in ways that almost make it impossible to tell them apart. And where you know the ability to brag about your accomplishments uh, or, or have self-pride is a, is a trait to be desired. Our readings today place a valuable emphasis on the contrast, the importance of humility, of knowing who we are and living out of the security that comes from a genuine sense of self. It it is a truthful thing to consider that our humility starts with acknowledging that we're not God. (laughs) And and there's a relief in knowing that, that we we don't need to be God. Our faith can give us peace that we're not in charge and don't need to secure our own legacies. In fact, a quick survey of the women and men that are featured most prominently in the Bible are are not the people that you would expect, are not the list with the most impressive resume. Mm -hmm. They're far from perfect. And it turns out that humility is a virtue that God desires in us and that we should desire maybe more in ourselves and in our relationships. And I would love to hear preachers address some of the fears and obstacles that keep us from genuine humility. And as I said, I think genuine relationships that come out of that humility. I think meditation on these readings would go a long way toward that. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the pride that we often experience and see around us of self-assertion often comes from a place of insecurity, right? Whereas the kind of humility that this proverb is advocating and that we see recycled by Jesus in those stories in the New Testament mm-hmm. is a is a kind of um, moving through the world where you're secure in who you are before God. And, um, you know, the, the social hierarchy works itself out. Right. That's well said, right? That's the paradox. And even as you're speaking, I just noticed my own body, like kind of just... There, there's a real uh, desire to live out of that peace and security rather than, as you say, the self-assertion, the exertion right. of having to, you know, having to tell you about myself, you know, in some way that isn't, you know, already apparent by who I am, that I exist right. and that that already is enough. And it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, before we wrap up for the day, uh, any uh, preaching pitfalls that you want to highlight? Right. So I think every time I talk about humility, I, you know, I want to emphasize uh, how important it is to frame this well. Um, humility has gotten a negative connotation in our culture and in Christianity in particular of, you know, being a stepping mat, turning the other cheek no matter what the circumstance and quote unquote, as you said, acting humble rather than actually being mm. someone who embodies humility. Genuine humility is a refreshing and attractive attribute. Uh, It's a mark of maturity and faith. And I also think a certain kind of humility and self-deprecation or, you know, false diminishment 
is expected more among maybe women more than men and certain cultures versus others, mm -hmm. right? So I, I know that in my own Indian immigrant upbringing, when I think about humility, I, I've gotten, I think, some negative contributions to, to what that looks like in reality. I think we can do more in our Christian communities and, you know, in our pulpits and our, among our congregations to acknowledge that there are problems and challenges to living our lives out of genuine humility, particularly in this day and age, uh, but to also acknowledge that that humility is part of our commitment to being with one another, you know, really with one another mm -hmm. and really with God. Yeah. Well, that's so much to think about from just two short verses in Proverbs. <laughs> So thanks for helping us to wrestle through that, Rosie. And uh, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. All right, friends. Remember that all of our episodes are at firstreadingpodcast.com, along with other resources. And uh, now your very own First Reading swag, which you can find on our merch page. If you're on Facebook, you can find us there and give us some feedback in the comments. We want to give a special thank you to those who generously choose to donate to keep First Reading sustainable. Thanks also to Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University for the grant that they've given us. And thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rosie Candethel. Have a great week. <laughs>